This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Up to date and credible. Power 102 Digital. Everybody right now caught in the jostle for space in the race, trying to keep up the pace by space ram cram. Everybody is a jam, jamming, jamming, jamming for a better life, a better way of living. In the meantime, simple things we forgetting, like how to say good morning, morning, neighbor, morning, neighbor. Thank you so much to the fine folks out at Bermudez. The makers of Cricks Your Vital Supply. I actually picked up a pack yesterday. Thank you so much to the folks out at Cricks. Cricks goes with everything. Everything. Name one thing at Cricks does not go down with. Name one. So thank you so much to the wonderful folks out at um, at Cricks. I should say. Uh, Alright, so folks, we're supposed to have um, Mr. Babwa from the Foreign Car Dealers Association. He just was to me like two minutes ago. So I'm going to try and call someone else right now. All right, but we have to give the results of this morning's poll while I do that. All right, so our poll this morning, uh, do you think the government should address the rising price of food in Trinidad and Tobago? And um, uh, we have 19 people voting on the poll this morning. 
of the 19 people Canada. I want to see you when you talk, please. Can you put yeah. it on your camera? I want to see it. Of the 19 people, 12 of you said yes, and seven of you said no. Richard, your yeses and noes means nothing if I can't see. Mm-hmm. But no we get your see. point, Wendell. We do. <laughs> we get your point. <laughs> so 12 you're looking, and 7. You're better from audio, Wendell. You better stay. It's what? Looking better from audio. That's a pillow. That, that's a pillow behind my head, eh? even though it's blurred. Well, clearly the laptop on your lap, so you're shaking up all over the place. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I know you all have, um, like everyone else has, uh, friends and relatives in the U.S. And in the U.S., where if it's one place in the past, you could have said X expensive, Y expensive, but food cheap, food is getting very mm-hmm. expensive in the U.S. You're right. As You're absolutely right. Because of supply chain interruptions and... And I, I have a lot of friends. I spoke to Nikki Crosby again last week, and she said, "Boy, remember a long time when you come to the states? If it's one thing you can get this cheap food in the grocery or inexpensive yes. food, she said everything yes. has gone up at least 30 percent. Yes, food in restaurants have have also increased dramatically. So, I mean, the pandemic—that's one of the immediate effects of, of of the pandemic, and we're seeing it in Trinidad and Tobago also. So, I actually think there was a—is it a food council? It was called. Is it food the food council. prices council? The food prices, prices council, council yeah. yeah. Food prices council. That was very active many, many years ago. But mm-hmm. in the last 10 or so years, it has not been as active. I think it had been dis- it may have been disbanded. And it had a lot of uh, influence in terms of getting groceries. Maybe, Steve, you could talk to the Supermarkets Association since you're looking for a guest, since your last guest canceled. Yeah, that, you know? Mr. Dipti. Uh, Mr. Dipti, who we haven't spoken to in a while. Because yeah. it is real. When you go to the grocery now, it hits you. It really hits you. Mm-hmm. You feel it immediately. So I mean, and and I know they have put a lot of the government that is some stuff on the zero rated list. Is it that, that's what it's called? Yes. Fat exemptions and some stuff. Mm. But is it going far enough? I don't know, because I mean it is really tough for people out there uh, on limited resources going to the grocery trying to feed their families. Yeah. Yep. It is tough, you know, and as I said, I've, I have observed it here in North America too, of the difference in the food prices and so on. Because, I mean, um, you'd go, uh, and as Nikki rightfully said, if there's one thing you could you could have um, depended on in North America here, it's cheap food. You know, you, that you could feed a family on $20, 30 That's gone up to $60, $80 now. If you go to dinner with, with, with let's say, two or three other people. Yes, sir. You could easily have gotten a good meal between twenty and thirty dollars. Prepared to spend between sixty and eighty now. That's my observation. Yeah, it it is um yeah a lot more oppressive and and you're seeing it here. You're actually seeing it here. You know, you're seeing it here when you go to the grocery. It 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 um it, what do you would spend what spend a thousand dollars on coming out to the grocery? You're getting half of that basically. Yeah. But Richard is a bourgeois, so it might not affect him. So, well, Richard probably. Well, I, I, I but don't. go to the grocery himself, for himself, you know. I don't I buy do, expensive Actually, food. I am the one who goes to the grocery most of the times. Yeah. So, have you seen it? But I am. But I am. But I mean, I, I, I have grocery shopping down to science because I know exactly what I'm going to get. And I'm. And but you know the the, the issue of supermarkets, they want you to impulse buy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, 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 I go for what I want and I get what I want and I get out. I can yeah, spend 15 minutes every three and be out 
on that or there's nothing would tempt me that I don't want. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm great at not impulse buying. I when came to get what I've got to get. Yeah. That's it. When you when you go into the grocery yep. and you and you pick up something it and and it seems that every week the price is increasing every week the price is increasing mm-hmm. you see a three dollars this week mm-hmm. it goes up by five dollars last week and, and it keeps going up and up simple like like bread a staple mm. like bread is increasing yep. every week you know so yeah but yeah. all right so i send the the, the email uh, to i sent it already Steve. Right, good. Okay. he's gonna log on shoot shortly that's rajiv dipti of the Supermarket Association of Trinidad and but Tobago. We'll is there anything else you think we can be done? I mean, I see people are urging people to grow their own foods. As I said earlier on, I plant herbs and tomatoes this weekend because I think, you know, but not everybody has land space. A lot of people live in the communities like Maloney and stuff. But mm-hmm. There was a time there was such a, a fervent drive to get people to plant home gardens, you know? Um, we will never be able to grow all the food we need, but certainly we could do a lot better, I think, in Trinidad and Tobago in terms of everyone who has a house and a yard planting something. But, yeah. uh, but I suppose the, the question is how long-lasting is this inflation in terms of food prices? How long-lasting is it? Because there are obviously certain um, causative elements that are, causing, that are making it happen. COVID was one and the logistical, the supply logistics of COVID. And now you have that Ukraine-Russian war that is also going to affect food prices um, to some degree. And then you have the price of oil going up, which also affects food prices to some degree. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's like, um, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a perfect storm, but, there. but it's mm. heading towards that in terms of, different contributing events mm. that are causing it. But your question, Richard, how long is it going to last? Does it, even if it doesn't last, let's say COVID comes to an end um, soon. Let's say the war in Ukraine also comes to an end, right? And those issues and oil. I don't know that things will go back down, you know. We're not known for that. We're not known for, for, for carrying things downwards when things well, improve. Well, Trin- Trinidad may not be known for that, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking that a lot of the a lot of the prices of commodities once the supply logistics um regularize. Because a lot of a lot of things went up, including freight, shipping costs, etc. etc. All of those all those so I'm saying it's a lot of things feeding into why it's happening. Right. So once those things um sort themselves out or are sorted out. I don't want to say sort themselves out, but are sorted out. Mm. To me, prices should come back now. Yeah. Should and are two different things. And, <laughs> yeah, and, sure. and the delay is, yeah. also, is also sometimes of concern because we would have experienced, and it's not all, it, it doesn't happen with all vendors, but mm. we would have seen people rack up their prices even before. And even when they, I don't know what the cycle is on, on shipping, but, I mean, sometimes you see the, the shipping situation being resolved. And now they're going to say, well, gas prices going up, so fuel prices are shipping going up. And now transport prices going up. And the, doc- and the Prime Minister already hinted as to the, uh, the observation about the fuel subsidy. And so it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be remedied anytime soon, given all that's mm. happening. And in the yeah. meantime, people are getting a lot less bang, buck for their, buck, bang for their buck. In the grocery you know and i mean sometimes you wonder how people 
feed their families it, it, it is such a a difficult situation mm-hmm. yeah yep. yeah uh, really really difficult see, situation see rajiv online now. yeah uh, good morning to you rajiv <coughs> Uh, good morning, gentlemen. One, one minute. Recording left. in progress. Yeah. Um, screen. Yeah. I could have on your face this morning, Rajiv. Rajiv, like he, like he having at his express breakfast. Yeah, on his face, man. Good morning, Rajiv. Rajiv. Yeah, you guys caught me on short notice. Yeah, morning. I did. I did. I know that. Yeah, but we do. A, we do. Thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah. How are yeah. you and your family? I mean, it's um. It's it's a time right now where you know we we are still suffering with COVID. I, I I my own family members recently, so it was concerning. Everybody got through it, and it was um, it was a bit symptomatic. But at the same time, that 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 shows that COVID is still something to worry about. But it's something we're learning to live with, as everyone knows. So um, it is it, it it is the situation. How are you, gentlemen? Not bad, everybody, not bad. Everybody face fat and rosy, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually talking food prices, Rajiv. And I'll, our I'll, pool this... I'm now about to say, I don't think the food prices is a problem if everybody face so rosy. Exactly, it's I don't just, know what, 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 what they're talking about. But um, our poll this morning was, do you think the government should address um, the rising price of food in Trinidad and Tobago and of course, the vast majority of people who voted on the poll said yes, they should. But but many people who were voting yes and no were saying they weren't sure what the government could actually do because so many things are external factors that are fueling the the, the rise in the price of food. What's your take on it? You know, Richard, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, frankly, I am worried. I am very worried because yeah. You 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 hit you underscore the point that we have no control over the prices of imported foods and they are 100% imported. Um, you know, over the last few decades, we've seen industries um, become redundant from rice to sugar, to oil recently at the refinery. Um, so so we are in a situation right now where we are importing foods because of a confluence of external factors such as the conflict in ukraine the invasion of the ukraine by russia um, which in itself is alarming because when we look at these conflicts we ask ourselves how long is it going to last that's one of the key things right is it are are they going to dig in for weeks is this going to take months could this could this expand beyond the ukraine these are all big big questions and that translates to uncertainties and these uncertainties find their ways in the, into the commodities markets which is what we're seeing right now with the price of oil with the price of wheat uh with and wheat as we know the ukraine and russia are big producers of and that's going to translate into um you know prices pass being fetched at very high prices that which is what the situation we're seeing right now now we've seen national flour mills react to that um and they are just one of many but when you consider the inputs of production which are also imported in this country where manufacturing is concerned because when you consider manufacturing in this country you you have to consider that nothing is 100 percent truly manufactured we have glorified assembly lines for manufacturing in this country when you consider that the end products are just put together then the, the agro processing side of it is not is not is is I would say non-existent. We have had um, 
certain plans and plants come online, but that's going to take years to really translate to that micro industry that should have been a priority for so many years. And, and in truth, the fixes that we want to talk to and speak to, they, they're medium to long-term projects, so they take time to come off the ground. And we're, we're looking at short-term fixes right now. So certainly what we're looking at is a foreign exchange injection to ensure that the import cover for the next few months are in place. Um, but you know, you look, you look. As you mentioned, is that in jeopardy? Do you think that is at a at a place where we should? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I've, I've gotten the assurances from the Exim Bank that, um, that the plan they've had since 2020 continues to remain in place. That is with the key, um, what we call the food cover list that we created since COVID came into play to ensure that things like sugar, rice, flour, oils, down to things like diapers, pampers. Um, toilet paper, all these things were covered under that crucial um, list of import cover. So so I'm not I'm not concerned there, but I, what I'm concerned is that the since 2020, when COVID was the bigger was the bigger issue, um, that everyone's earning power, salaries, um, their, their savings were eroded for the last two years. And we were looking at this year as a year we catch ourselves proverbially speaking. And then this situation compounds what's happening now. So, and then the prices is just going up because we, we absolutely have no control over it. And we're scratching our heads trying to figure out how to deal with it. And, you know, as a Caribbean region, this is where we now start to have the conversation. We've been having it for the last two years since COVID because COVID created the situation with Jamaica, Antigua, Guyana, St. Lucia, um, all the business sector organizations started sitting down with each other and saying, listen, what can I sell you? What could you sell me? How could we feed each other? Um, and and they, they're having a little bit of the same problem that we're having, except our problem is a little more exacerbated in that the import culture has created a certain taste in the consumer preference uh, of what they like. Because, for example... What has been... What has been the, can you, if you could aggregate first, what do you think sure. has been the general percentage increase for supermarket for, for retailers like yourself like your membership is is it significant is it 10 percent, 15 percent, or is that too difficult to pin down um you, you can't plaster that across the board because um in the grocery for example you're going to have something like the average medium to large supermarket in this country would have somewhere between ten thousand to fifteen thousand stock keeping units so that when you pull your basket of goods up to the point of sales and you scan the goods, that's 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 literally 10 to 15,000 options that you have at the cash register. So I, I don't want to put a broad brushed plaster, but the reality is that key suppliers of goods and, and distribution and manufacturing is rich in this country in that there are many companies and they are all... Um, they are all sending you these written notices of price increases that are happening across the board so that when you sit down to examine it i mean we we what can we do from the side of retail except say that the policy and legislation needs to change to create um more on a local domestic side and i feel strongly paul that that is where the focus has been lost, right? I was talking to someone from um, a supermarket who can who also has a poultry depot, and all his uh, his entire um, you know 
all his chickens were stolen, and the Pradia lost in the units in this country has only five persons. How can we continue? How can we ask people to get involved in local production when the framework, the support is not there? Right. And, and, and I'm talking about a unit that only has two vans and five persons for an entire nation of 1.5 million people. Right. So so the problems, we know where they are and we know and this is going to keep people out of the business. Make no mistake. This is a country that consumes um, X millions amounts of heads of chickens per month, per annum. And we've seen the numbers because we've seen Nutramix open a new poultry depot. We've seen Arawak um, um, continue to supply. And we've seen that even with these suppliers, we cannot continue to meet local consumption, well, that we fill it with imported. Um, and that goes across the board um, with, with, with other things that when you actually look at um, and the things that people complain about, I feel too, sugar, rice, flour, these are all key ingredients. The sugar is coming from Guyana. The rice is coming from, um, we, we, have, we have a few several in the Caribbean and Latin America. Um, and the flour, um, well, while we're making it here, National Flour Mills is importing the wheat, which has just gone up on the commodities market. So we've seen that, you know, whatever it is that we do, and we've seen some substitutes for alternative flour, but ask the customer if it is that they will consume, for example, a doubles made with cassava flour, almond flour, potato flour. They don't want that. They don't want that. They want the normal thing, but they want it at the same price. So we have a confluence of factors, gentlemen, and I, I really feel that we should shift some of that back onto the plate in Trinidad and Tobago when it comes to um, how we look at what we could do for, for ourselves to cut the import bill. The import bill is still about $6 billion US dollars. That will go up because prices are going up. Um, but how much of that can be taken off? Um, we've been, we should be trying to reduce our dependency on that. But I, I, I don't but think... That food, that, that food import bill has been the subject of so much discussion over the years. I mean, since we all of us here were teenagers, they're talking about that, that food import bill. And um and and it still has um if anything gone up, it has not de-escalated. And so what what is what is causing the lack of action in getting it down? Well, we've we've had industries come off the table across decades since the um the NAR administration to the present day. Uh, so you would have seen things being added to the import bill. And I want to say, gentlemen, my concern is not just primarily food. Food is the easiest thing to measure, but I'm worried about the about hyperinflation in all these sectors, construction materials, pharmaceuticals, um, everything, because this war, this conflict is going it has had that inflationary effect i've read the reports out of the federal reserve and the and north america um the imf the european union it is scary the outlook is scary and it's not a good place food will be the most immediate thing that's affected but i really want to highlight that it's going to be all sectors so now and i, I i've taken note of what the prime minister has said with gas with water 
with all of these things. These things are serious inputs into the operate, operation of business. If these things were to go up, you know what the impact of fuel and transport is on goods, the price of goods, the cost of doing business, the ease of doing business. And these are variables I also um, consider. The import bill, uh, you know, we've seen the Minister of Finance in the last budget try to add certain items back to the luxury list. Um, and, and I'll tell you that they are still, those items are still doing well inside the stores. People are still buying them. And um, it, it, it makes you wonder that the more consumers, of course, consumers will always complain because they, they, if they feel they could access something at a cheaper price by complaining, they will continue to do that. However, the behavior and the consumer patterns I always say the choice lies with the consumer and that has always remained true. If they continue to buy it, then a store or stores will continue to put out the goods for consumption because every, every store, every supermarket is in the business of fast moving consumer goods. Um, that being said, however, I'm also concerned. You, that, yeah. Hello? Yeah, if you, if you were in a different, if you were wearing a different hat right now, and you were in a position, you is my internet is unstable. I, I feel and like you were in a position, let's say, to do something about it. Let's say you were you were you were in that. Hello? Yeah, yeah we hearing you and them. Yeah, we're hearing you, we're hearing you. Um I, right. I, I think I'm I know saying if you were wearing a different hat now. Yeah. Yeah. Find the private sector appetite. What would you what would you what would you suggest? I would say that there is appetite in the private sector, but you need to create a, a framework. I spoke to you about the Pradia last in the example, as an example and for a purpose. I, because these, these statutory bodies need support. There's no two ways about it. You can't ask people, you can't hope to attract foreign direct investment or private sector investment without creating a supportive framework for that to happen. So now that that has to happen, you need uh, you you create you 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 give incentives for the development of certain critical and crucial initiatives, and and for me that is the way forward. I've heard several prominent businessmen in this country say that the government has no business being in these businesses, and I agree with that because I think that when you do it. Um, when you form, if you even at the level of private public partnerships, you can achieve a lot. And I think that when I hear people say that Trinidad and Tobago does not have um, the arable land, I would tell them, fly a small plane across this country and see how much land it has, right? And you tell me that we don't have the land. We have the land. That is my opinion on it. And but I, but I, I agree with you, Rajiv, but the other issues related to that are highly distilled it's not just about the land it's about the ownership of the land to get the loans to buy the equipment it's about the access roads it's about the protection through increasing the the resources in the pradia lastly division it's a myriad of a, a, a variety of issues that need to come together and be resolved to to drive people to agriculture so that they feel that they're investing their time in something that they will be rewarded for in 5 to 10, 15 years down the road and not meet the constant stumbling blocks that have been there for decades. 
Well, Paul, you're absolutely correct. You're, just, you're speaking to exactly what I'm saying. Create a supporting framework. Don't f prioritize it. If it is that we have to say that, okay, we're going to give tax breaks. We're, we're going um, to place heavy penalties on offenders. We're going to cut through the red tape so that your projects can be successful in the shortest possible time frame for the benefits of the nation. And that you're saying that, listen, this is going to feed Trinidad and Tobago first. Any excess can be fetched on the, on the, on the export market after. You know, you create a framework. That is what the technocrats in the, in the government are supposed to focus on to attract the investment. Um, what, that, question, what, what percentage of a, a, a groceries, and I know the different sizes of groceries and operating at different scales, the, 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 the groceries top line would be from imported goods? Um, that, that, that's really neither here nor there. I, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the business, right? But I'm, if I'm taking a chocolate, and I'm just saying for, this, for, the, ease of it, for the ease of this example, I'm, I buy it for a dollar. I'm selling it for a dollar twenty-five. I can't sell it for a dollar fifty because Mr. Charles um, Tree stores down the road selling it for a dollar twenty. He gonna check my price. He gonna check my top line. You understand? So it, it's 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 a business where the margins are small, but I'm hoping that the volume adds up to pay my bills. That it, it's it's really and this is a sector that is so saturated. You have multinational groceries you have your household name groceries and you have um stores that parade in as groceries these days because i went to a tech store the other day to buy a keyboard and i found that they were selling juice snacks biscuits and even ramen and i i actually bought some so it was pretty good um so we have all these pseudo supermarkets going on right now i can't i cannot gouge if you but, if but you know. I, that's innovation though Everybody well, became uh, a big a big the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what happened in the pandemic was unfortunate. We created this model of essential businesses. And now I've I, I saw Guyana yesterday do away with all the conventions. They said that listen, everything COVID is out the window. And I think that's the way to go from a not not necessarily from a social convention standpoint, but from a business standpoint, because we placed, we took too many businesses that were essential always like my tech store, and um, they, we place them in, in a pool of, of what we consider to be non-essential businesses. Now we, so you created a hyper-saturation of the sector, but it's not sustainable because when you consider from a business standpoint um, that how you continue to operate three to five years down the road, are you still going to be in the business of it? No, that's the facts, because you want to go back to your core model of focusing your inventory on buying gadgets for people to sell. Why is the private sector, the manufacturing sector, having challenges? Is it a risk He's aversion issue? Is it a uh, risk aversion issue? Because, I mean, we have we, we produce quite a bit of raw material, a lot of pump. You see pumpkins all over the place, people trying to sell. You see sometimes tomatoes, which can be easily converted to ketchup, etc. And I know Matux is doing a great job. But in other areas... I think the ease of doing business is stifling in this country. We rank, what, 89th out of... 188 or something for the ease of doing business. Uh, it's first of all, it's a lot of red tape. It's the public servants. It's the culture. Um, I I I have also heard the prime minister say that the culture needs to change for things to happen. I don't know if we're going to take the top down approach or the bottom up approach for that change to happen. Um, but in experiencing it, it is very. It, it costs money if you have to do a project, for example. 
and you wanted to put deadlines on that project, it's very hard to quantify it in Trinidad and Tobago because something as simple as going down by the WASA office or the TN Tech office, so it could take a little while and you're not sure how that's going to affect your project and your timelines and doing things. I think we need to really get our act together, but we've been saying that since I was probably in Pampers. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, it is I, what it is. is that issue of the ease of doing business, I don't know why it is such a problem for Trinidad and Tobago. You would think that it's a priority mandate of the Ministry of Industry and Trade, um, Trade and Industry, and you would think that that is something that you can accomplish. I know it's something that you'll have to work with other divisions, and there will be a certain overlapping in terms of other ministries, but why is it so difficult to accomplish in a very competitive environment globally? Why would you not be competing and prioritizing this because we had this discussion all the time uh, and, and, and yet we I still i want to i want to i want to um, maybe maybe richard and and i, I don't want to blame the government eh, because i've noticed this across successive administrations that each one of them inherit this public service now the public service is full of people who have been there they're very they're some very good public servants let me start right there um, however, when you do go to a statutory office and you realize how the processes can lag, and then you understand that you may need to know some people better than others to move things along, um, that's where the problem starts, the bureaucracy starts to seep in. And you have this situation, this culture that has, that has over the years become more the norm than the exception. And I, I, I think that how we treat with that now is very critical to moving Trinidad in a progressive direction. I've seen Trinidad in, the, in its formative years be a leader in the Caribbean. Now we are lagging behind critically in financial services. I agree with you and I disagree with you, you know, Rajiv. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, I, I, I get it that people think the, the public service is the usual beating boy that you could you could beat them up because they can they don't really answer. They don't answer back. Um, and and yes, there are archaic processes and stuff like that. But a lot of those archaic processes are policy arrangements that governments need to change. Because Agreed. if Agreed. if, if I, it I, is. I, if I it is that the process is I have to do A, B, C, D, and E, then I have to do A, B, C, D, and E. And the only way that changes is if whatever department that is in charge of that policy document, a lot of times it's the Ministry of Finance or one of the corollaries of the Ministry of Finance, meaning it, it's something coming from the control of accounts or it's some process that is identified by some other division. And so that, that's why I'm saying there is an overlapping of structures in terms of getting that ease of business going. But it takes somebody with leadership and vision to say, okay, let me get everybody in the room and let's discuss this. Mm -hmm. If somebody needs to accomplish A, how do we get this done in an hour? Mm -hmm. So I agree with you, Richard. Um, and, uh, and you're right. We The framework that currently exists allows the actors in the public service and the delinquent ones in particular to uh, take advantage of it and perhaps take abuse of it uh, but ultimately, it redounds to the policymakers, the legislators. And I, 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 one of the things that I'm very cognizant of is that when um, we look at the legislative process, it can take a number of years for new legislations to pass. And when we consider what happened during COVID-19, 
And when you really place laser vision on creating a vaccine, for example, which is in itself came about in just a year, you know, that same kind of appetite at the level of the lawyers and the legislators and the policy. You know, I, I hear the talk about legislation taking a while, but this country is not short on laws. And you can make all the laws in the world, you can pass all the laws, if you don't apply it consistently and measure your performance, it amounts to nothing. Take, for example, and I hear you, you all about the conversation about framework, and, and it's really about leadership, but a classic example is we transitioned in emergency mode to working online in the public and private sector in the last two years. And and on the first sign that the pandemic is, is moving toward an end, everybody go back out to work. Or they uh, go back out. Or they go back out in the office and resume the status quo. <laughs> and I saw a documentary yesterday out of Singapore. And the policymakers were reiterating to the public that let us not lose the gains that we've made in the pandemic in terms of putting, they've put the systems in place so that there is legislative support and a, a, a working with the unions, uh, well, the, the union, what equivalent of the union there, the, the rep, workers' representatives to ensure that systems are in place to, so workers are protected while working at home, which would not have existed when they're working at the office. The hardware and the software to support that the policies to support that that they were working on before the pandemic ended so that when the pandemic seems to be moving out of pandemic to endemic stage they do not lose the reduction in traffic on the road they do not lose the technological accountability that comes with staying online and they don't rush everybody back out to the physical office because there have been gains made in Trinidad and Tobago not so much everybody go back out Just, it's, it's a mindset also it's a leadership mindset that needs to change. And I understand there are issues that need to be resolved for people to stay working at home, including equipment, including policy, including technological security issues. But we can't just... And, and the whole idea was that their banner was new normal, focus on new, not normal. So, so Paul, uh, you know, when, I, when I, I, I hear you, because we've made gains during the pandemic. I mean, look, we're here on Zoom right now. Uh, for, 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 I'm not in the studio with you. I've joined you here for this call. Um, and, I, and one of the things I would like to continue from that side of things is the productivity ratio, the output. Um, you know, having some people work from home gives them a flexible amount of time. They don't need to rush in the traffic to get to work at eight o'clock, to leave the office at four o'clock. And in some cases, they may be able to give you more output by being in their comfort zone and give you more hours as well. Um, you know, and, and I, I think when we consider the productivity output, we get back to the core of the conversation here, which was the food prices. And, um, you know, people want to feel that they can afford to maintain a base level of lifestyle because people have that in this country. They're accustomed to certain norms and, you know, routines that they have evolved. And I, I, I still think that we are way more comfortable than the rest of the Caribbean um, when last I checked, um, when it comes to, to, to insulating our lifestyles against the external events that are happening. Because 
I've looked at the way that this has affected the typical North American or the typical Latin American or the typical European, and they are having to make some transitions right now in their own lifestyles. And I, I, I think that um, from the leadership mindset that you refer to, I think that that's so important. It's so critical because we need that to happen. Without the legislation being in, enforced, if our leaders were to tell us this is what we hope to achieve. I think our public servants will rally to that rallying call more quickly than will we to enforce it upon them. Well, Rajiv, something like what Paul just raised would not have really affected the supermarket industry. I think you all, because you all would have, you all would have had people out there. It was one of the things positives that came out of it is the delivery aspect, um, the home delivery aspect of your business. How is that going and, and will that continue? You'd be surprised, Wendell. Um, so while those norms did break out in a bigger way in the developed countries, people in this country love to visit their grocery store. If they're buying a block of cheese, they want to see the contours on the edge of that block of cheese. If they're buying a pack of chicken, they want to see how... And I want to come out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, because the social norms in this country, I, I spent some time with my stores taking a look at the different um, avenues that they did. We had curbside pickup via WhatsApp ordering. Um, Massey stores did an app. Um, we had um, we had third-party delivery services by some apps. Um, I found in my own research that this was that this particular delivery service was a big win for the restaurants and the foodies. Um, the, 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 those, those services where, you know, you could get a gourmet meal at your doorstep. Um, but people, when it comes to groceries, people are very finicky because it's a, such a personal thing. They don't, mm. it, it could be down to a bar blue soap, but they want the bar blue soap that they pick up. They don't want mm. you pick for them. Um, and, 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 and I respect such personal choices. So I noticed that the brick and mortar models in an island setting, especially when you don't really have to go that far. If you don't want to go into the bigger grocery store because you were afraid of COVID, you could have gone by the corner shop, mm. right? So you're, you have to look at people's patterns. It's been a very fascinating time to study this particular behavior. But when it came to the third party remote solutions, I can see that it could stay, but remember everything has a cost. If the appetite for that service isn't there altogether, it goes out the window. But I think that it, it will it will hang around in some form or fashion. But mm -hmm. um, for example, if I'm buying something for my grocery bill, $200, but the, the delivery is costing me $30 because that's the cost that, you know, yeah, everything has a base cost. No, mm -hmm. You're only gonna find, um, a small percentage of persons willing to pay for it. Are, are there trends that we that you're seeing outside in terms of retail that we should be looking at closely? Uh, you know, when we look at some of the trends in retail, and it's 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 really sad because. So when we do our own consumer food baskets in. Um, index um, at the level of the association. A good place to start is where we put together where the VAT came off last year. So we take that basket of goods where the VAT came off and we did a measurement. Um, so you might you might see a lot of people in the grocery still, but the 
value of their food basket has actually decreased. And this has led to shrinkage in our sector, probably about five to six percent. And while that sounds small, it's very significant at the level of what it means for how much income the consumers have, how the salaries have been affected, how the revenues have redounded. And um, it's, it's something that we've also noticed that brand loyalty just plainly doesn't exist anymore. Um, is it course, a sign? Is it a sign? Yeah. Is it a sign, Rajiv, when you, because this is something that I would have noticed. I'm not a big grocery person, but the few occasions that I go in the grocery, you okay. always see people leaving items at the counter, at the cash register, items that they would have put in their basket, but probably when they reach here, I don't realize they didn't want it or they couldn't afford it. Is that also a sign? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Wendell. And that's more frequent than you think. Yeah? Um, well, you're on mute. If you was trying to say something, you're on mute. Um, yeah. So, so you know, like, um, you, you, you're going to have maybe $100 in your pocket and you have, and you might, and, and, and you have to understand consumers and you, you have to know your customers, right? It might have a man who come by me to buy something, but he's trying to keep maybe a, a $20 in his pocket so he could go and buy two cigarettes by the corner shop. You had to know your customers, right? So, um, by the time he come there and he pick up something and it's about thirty dollars more than he 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 catered for he he left behind a few a few items or uh, at the counter and those items pile up in a basket and you simply tell the staff to pack it back but it happens mm-hmm. and it, it happens because you know people people shop with their eyes and we want them to shop with their eyes because the hope is the expectation is that they pay for it at the cash register um and when they when they can't we simply have to replace it but it's something that does happen quite a lot when are consumers yeah. buying because a lot of people are buying more are making a lot, a lot of people are getting into making a lot of local stuff now and i fortunately i see many of the supermarkets exceeding and carrying the stuff are people actually pushing? oh yeah 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 i i got really excited about it during COVID, paul because um we in we we actually have a incubator sh- um show uh, that that we're planning to launch this year where we are auditioning the best that um that home owners have to offer from products to food and we will give you the winners will have the opportunity to be placed on grocery shelves right so we're, we're doing our own version of this um incubation unit for new entrepreneurs for new products local- shark tank tnt yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's exciting. I get really excited when I go on Instagram and TikTok and I see what people are making. There's so many people making stuff now. And, and I, I tell the team, I say, look at this. These are great ideas. These are great innovations. Let's let's let let's give them support. Let's let's do something to to to. I, I've seen Massey stores do it. They've dedicated a shelf or something like that. Um, and and kudos to them. You know, they've they've done that well. But I said to the rest of the association, we can also do something to support local and, and you know if we if we give you cookie points for being 100% local or 100% you know um, um, do something innovative you know um, we saw this guy come up with the uh, I think it was a, a almond based flower the other day and um, it, that was pretty exciting so you know when we have these so and I'm, I'm going to use the almond flower as an example here if it is that this guy can do the almond flower and it's sustainable how do we go about then 
um, doing awareness initiatives to shift the consumer palette to a taste that um, to, because it might be cheaper, it might be cheaper than the traditional flour that we're putting out. So, so how, can, how can we change, how can we work on consumer preferences? That's a big part of the problem that people are not looking at because you can have substitutes at cheaper prices, but people don't like the alternative. So now we now have to work on that aspect of it. There's that consumer psychology that's been ingrained for decades because of the import flavor, the import culture. You know, something that Paul raised before, and I, I, I observed it where I am, a lane dedicated to Caribbean food, Caribbean items. I was in a grocery just yesterday and I saw that and I, and I was supposed to take a picture of it because when I saw it, I immediately thought of Paul because he has been advocating for this for the longest while. Why don't groceries dedicate particular lanes for items that, that, that are locally grown? Um, it really depends on, first of all, how big that grocery is, um, because in a bigger grocery, you can advocate for it. Um, in a, in a, because when you go into a grocery, every square foot of that operation is prime. Um, I, I, I think now more than ever, that kind of um, nationalism and regionalism is so important because we need to support... And, and, and this was something I picked up on in talks with the other islands in some of the meetings is that you need to, we need to support each other because Trinidad could do this, Jamaica could do that, Guyana could do that, but we, we create a, now a network of feeding each other. And um, I think if we could show that kind of support, it would be big because I'm firmly of the opinion that we need to support local, but local, you have to understand why the import culture has been so good for years. It's cheaper, it tastes better, and the brands are more out there. So local has to compete. Well, I, I would disagree. I would, I would take two of your three. It, it don't taste better. We've been conditioned to think it tastes better. <laughs> Our appetite has been... Socialized well, to that. I will. I will put you with some of them customers. Some some things taste better, you. Paul. <laughs> some things taste better. Some you all have been socialized to those. Some things taste better. And <laughs> they're unhealthy in many cases, and they and they cost more. But you're still buying them to kill yourself, Rajiv. Your, palate, so your palate has been dulled. I don't know where your tongue went. <laughs> My palate isn't dulled at all. Throat <laughs> <Still> scratching. <laughs> Rajiv, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rajiv Dipti, for being Easy on the Power Breakfast Show. And thank you for being with us on Short Notice. Okay, gentlemen, have a good All one. Right. All the best to you. Have a great Thanks, one. Rajiv. Thank you. Recording uh, stop. Thank you, Dorothy. Have a good day. All right, let's get into our news brief. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.